0: Well, tonight we begin our final, perhaps, unless we have a lot of questions and things to follow up on next week, our last aspect of biblical parenting in the category of growing in wisdom. And we are down to really looking at the negative side of it. Um, Certainly we have visited some aspects of this along the way. But uh, we're going, when we get to the R in our format of uh, discipline, instruction, authority, uh, <laughs> discipline, instruction, authority, P, provision, and example, and we get down to the R, um, we're following one of the hardest studies which for parents, which is lead by example, because it's very pointed at us. Um, it is very uh, uh, stepping-on-your-toes study, because I'm talking to you about being an example to your children, That uh, we lead by example, uh, and so we're really working on our life at that point more than we are about uh, parenting our children. It's more about our, our lifestyle itself and how it relates to your child's uh, growth. Um, so we're following that by the one that parents I've historically found enjoy the most, which is... Um, where do I see? How do I identify? And, and because I'm instead of being critical of myself, I'm now looking at my child. Where's rebellion in there? Where is their rebellion to my attempts to parent them? What does it look like? And how to, do we defend against it? How can we help our children through it and overcome it? And so uh, we're going to talk about these when we get to this R in our. Uh, list. Um, we, we have been going through all these things that parent needs to do, parent needs to do, and I've been trying along the way though to recognize that your children uh, have a role. That they are not the passive recipients of your parenting. They are active participants. They are not just sitting back being parented. They are in a relationship that is a give and take. We saw that last time most extensively when we studied authority. When we realize that our children have their own will, and they have a God-given authority over their own will. That is, they can make those choices in their life, and they start very early. Basically, when they can pull away, and by two uh, years old, when they're walking around, and they want to go one way, you want to go another way, and you suddenly realize they have a will of their own. Uh, maybe earlier because they want to sleep and wake, not on your schedule, but on their own. But usually that's more of the physical realm. We're going to talk about that when we get into growing in stature and the physical aspects, hopefully starting next Sunday night. Uh, but this week unless this week needs to be extended. Uh, and so we're going to talk about recognize rebellion and then maybe um, an overview over the whole aspect of growing in wisdom for our parenting. And so when we begin here, let's, this is an easy one to find information on. Um, not only does the book of Proverbs give us lots of definitions and information on wisdom, it gives you lots of information of what is the opposite of wisdom. And so if I ask you, what is the opposite of wisdom and understanding, your response would be? Wisdom is... Countered by foolishness or being a fool, so the wise man and the foolish man, or the fool. Who is the fool? And so we hopefully we immediately understand. Well, if I'm going to look for rebellion against wisdom, I'm looking for foolish activity. Now we already studied the fact that foolishness, foolishness. Um, which all of us have a little bit of foolishness in us. Let's just be, the wisest among us still can be foolish. And we're going to talk about uh, differentiating wisdom here in a little bit. But foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And so the rod of correction drives it out. And so we are using discipline, and we talked about the necessity of discipline to remove foolishness in terms of certain aspects of wisdom. Um, that we can, through discipline, instill in them uh, a hatred of evil. We can instill in them a prudence. We can instill in them uh, a knowledge of the Holy One, that He is Holy God. And we can instill in them um, the third one. Uh, What was the third one? Fourth one, I'm sorry, the fourth one. Discretion, there we go. The four aspects of wisdom, okay, that we're going to, Have the fear of the Lord, which is to hate evil. We're going to have prudence. We're going to have knowledge of the Holy One. And we're going to have discretion. We can train our children in these things. But they can choose differently. And this is what we want to investigate. How do I see a child making choices in their life that show rebellion against wisdom? And we have lots of information, way too much information in Proverbs to go through all of it. Certainly not in one night, and uh, that would almost require a whole series uh, and to look at. But I want to uh, really focus in on just a few things that we're going to see, not only in children, but in all people. Remember, Proverbs isn't just about children, it's about adults too. Um, wisdom and foolishness is not a division just among children, and it's not a division between the young and the old. It is division at every age level. There are wise parents and foolish parents. There are wise builders and foolish builders. There are wise old people and there are foolish old people. Okay? And so uh, what we are trying to do is discern in our children the direction they are taking as they are going so that we can go back up to the D and start over and say, what do I need to be disciplining in their life? What do I need to be instructing them? How do I need to exercise my authority and develop their own personal authority? What do I need to provide for them that I haven't been providing for them? What do I, how, maybe I need to be a better example. In what areas of life, to, are, what examples are they following? Maybe they're not following your example. Maybe there's someone else in, that they're idolizing in their life that they're following that example instead. There's a lot of that going around. And so um, when we recognize rebellion, we want to look at the cause of that and then it takes us right back up into the cycle of what they we're going through of these uh, six biblical ideas of parenting, concepts of parenting that we have pulled out from Scripture along the way. So let's look about rebellion. Rebellion, of course, is that which can going to lead to sin. So we know that rebellion is sin. So we want to eradicate rebellion in our child's life because that fits right along with wisdom, that wisdom is to hate evil. The, 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 the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And if rebellion is sin, it is necessarily evil. So this is what we want to address very quickly with our children and very uh, uh, purposefully. We want to, again, evaluate it. So what do we evaluate? What are we looking for among children? So um, particularly, and again, you're going to see it in adults too. Uh, I, I tell people sometimes pastoring is a little bit like parenting. Um And so a lot of the principles are almost identical. And when we get to this, we're going to see some things among children. We're going to say, well, that also applies to adults. Yes, by and large, they do. Okay, We're going to see how to pick it up among children. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to kind of jump into the middle. We dealt with Proverbs 1 and some of those areas. We could go to a lot of different places in Proverbs. It wouldn't be hard to uh, do that. But uh, we want to... uh, take a selection here um, and see what does a fool, what is the evidence that our child is choosing to rebel against wisdom and follow after foolishness. And really when we get to 18, we're going to stretch into like all the way to like 22. We're going to pick out some passages along the way here. And you're going to see some of the uh, characteristics that we're trying to uh, identify in our children. Uh, first of all, let's just pick up in verse 2 uh, of Proverbs 18. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Proverbs 18.2 And this leads us into a whole series of, of, of verses here. They're going to talk about this area. So what is this contrasting? We've kind of already dealt with this. When we talked about the, the, the second week, when we talked about the Proverbs, it isn't a promise but a warning. Um, raise up a child in his own ways, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. If you don't break his ways early, he is going to live in them uh, most of his life. And so we have to interrupt this uh, way of foolishness that is bound up in the heart of a child. So a man, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Let's jump down and see what are we talking about here. Verse uh, four: The words of a man's mouth are deep waters; the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. It is not good to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Verse six is really what I want to jump into. A fool's lips enter into contention, his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the innermost body. So we come right away, and we find out that a fool is unteachable in their heart. They despise, and that's a word that's used frequently here in, in Proverbs, they take no delight, they despise understanding. They don't want to go through the process uh, that takes, the work that it takes to gain wisdom. They just don't value it. They have no value of it. Well, how do I know that my child isn't valuing what I'm, being, what I'm teaching them? Well, we all pretty much know this, don't we? We, 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 have, we know indicators because we all have that in us. That if I don't want to listen to something, how do I respond? Help me out. How do you respond if you're, if you're being exposed to something you don't want to listen to? And, and, and I, I respond this way to the world. So when I have to sit down, uh, when I went through foster care parenting classes, foster treatment, treatment foster care classes, um, boy, that was a lot of psychobabble nonsense that just raked against my biblical values over and over again. How do we respond to that? I didn't want to learn their system because I saw that it was in opposition to God's system. Uh, So how do we, so we all have those environments where we are exposed to something and maybe you've been taken to task in your workplace because you have to go in and listen to, uh, I had a gal (laughs) uh, that uh, her job was to go into corporations and teach them that men and women are different. I don't know if she has a job anymore, because now it's, we don't know if we're men or, or women. Um, and that was her job, to, to teach uh, sensitivity to both men and women about the opposite sex in, in the workplace. And so that was her job. And she went to corporations, corporations all over, and, um, and so there are men, there are women, and they're different, is basically the message she had to teach adults. But uh, So if you had to sit through one of those uh, politically correct things, and we all have them in our workplaces. I know I don't, uh, so you might say, Pastor, you don't have that. Um, But I do. It's a different kind than what you might be exposed to. They take you, and you're going to have your class. How to be sensitive to transgender people. How to be sensitive to homosexual people. How to be this, how to do that. And it's stuff we don't necessarily want to hear. So how do we respond? Well, how you respond to that is, is likely how your children are responding if they're in rebellion and don't want to receive understanding. So again, what are the indications that they aren't wanting to learn, what you're wanting to teach them? They're not interested. They are, um, has no delight in learning, in understanding, in growing in wisdom. They have no delight in it. They're going to rebel against whatever you're going to put out there. Say again. Being distracting. And this goes on all over the place. And that's exactly what Proverbs talks about. What are they going to do when you're trying to teach them something and they don't want to learn it? they are going to change the subject they're going to talk they're going to over talk you they are going to jibber jabber they're going to crack funny jokes they're going to uh express their own view is what it says here that they're going to express his own heart they're going to express their own heart i don't want to hear you blah, blah 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 and and essentially while they're not doing it physically they are doing it uh in their heart they're putting their fingers in their ears and what are they doing with their mouth la 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 i can't hear you la 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 they are doing that while they're not doing it while they're not literally doing that that's essentially what they're doing so they don't want to learn and so they talk they're disruptive they're distracting all right they're gonna make a funny noise things like that now i have the teen group on wednesday night i deal with it constantly it is a constant battle for me to keep it on task because they always want to interrupt. They always want to go blah, blah, and, and make silly noises, and then everyone giggles. And you might say, come on, you're, these, are, these are junior hires. That's what junior hires do, right? Why? Because they do not value understanding. And I, under, I know that. I know that they are fundamentally in rebellion against it because foolishness is bound to who they are, and and I don't have permission to use a rod of correction against them, right? Maybe I can't. I need to talk to their parents. Maybe I can't. Uh, and so when I do, they ah, and we realize in the home when a child is rebelling against uh, learning, against understanding that one of the primary evidence of that is that they're going to be disruptive. They're going to distract. They're going to babble on. They're going to make funny noises. They're going to want to take you in every rabbit trail direction they can. And that is a fool's doing. They're going to just talk what's in their own heart. And what is in their own heart is not wisdom. In their own heart, there's foolishness, and they're going to want to express their own heart. That's all they want to do. They take delight in yammering away. And every one of you that's worked in junior church has had this, and I have the same statement to every one of you. If you have a child that will not sit down and listen, they are not interested in learning, send them to church and sit with their parents. That's the solution. Send them to Take them to church and send them out with their parents. This child is not interested in learning. What are they doing? They're going to distract and keep everyone else from learning. They want to express their heart, and their heart is rebellion. So, if it's happening in the home, how are you going to address it? Perhaps a little differently because you have the whole diaper available to you. You know, you have DIA and available to you. Um, in the junior church, you don't necessarily have all those available to you. So what do you do? You need to remove them. In our schools, we have a whole group of fools who do not value learning. And when they do not value learning, what are they going to do? Now, there there are two things going on in school. First of all, there are those children that are completely bored because they aren't learning. And they will act out, because out of boredom. All right, and that's why it's it, it completely inappropriate for them to just say, we want all the kids together to feel acceptance and, and we don't want to value them and, and put them in advanced classes and, and these classes in slower classes. Hogwash. If we have children that value understanding, they should be together without distraction and they should have your best teacher who also values it. If you've got children that somewhat value it, they're going to need a very capable teacher and to manage that class. And if you've got children that completely disvalue ad- learning and are going to be completely disruptive, put them over there and let them be a fool. It'll be to their own destruction. All they want to do is v- voice their own opinion. And we have elevated the fool in the classroom. And the fool now rules. A ruler of fools. Because we value everyone's opinion matters. No, it doesn't. The fool always wants to yell out his opinion. And this is reiterated um, here in Proverbs. I didn't mark this one. And it talks, well, it is right here, in chapter 18 as well, that um, the words of a man's mouth are deep water's wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. But there's another proverb here in this same section of passages that, that talks about you, you need to do some work to get wisdom out of uh, a wise person. He's going to wait for you to desire after it he's gonna you're gonna have to draw it out of him like you draw out of a deep well is what it says you're gonna have to draw wisdom out of a person like you draw it out of a deep well you gotta go way down in there and you gotta crank that crank or you gotta pull that uh cord up you're gonna have to draw it out of him because he realizes what a proverb says is that you do not give instruction to fools. If they don't want to learn it, then leave them to their foolness because that's going to be their destruction. You're giving them hope. And so the children have a decision. Do I want to receive instruction and live or do I want to reject it because it's boring to me, because I don't see its purpose, because I just don't take delight in it. I don't like it. I don't like going to school. When I hear a child say that, I say, well, don't send them. What? Mandatory education. Where in the Bible do you find anywhere that education is mandatory, is a right? If a fool does not delight in understanding, then don't teach them anything. What are they going to do with knowledge? What does a fool do with knowledge? Do you know? They destroy. Fools with knowledge are destructive. Um, They lie. They use their knowledge to promote lies. They deceive. They uh, employ it selfishly. Now remember, the Bible says, a fool is someone who has said in his heart there is no God. Because they don't have a fear of the Lord, and they don't have knowledge of the Holy One, this is the f- ultimate definition of a fool, then they have no delight in true understanding. So when we give them information, what are they going to do with that information? And please recognize the difference between being smart and being wise. So if your child is bright, that is they are quick intellectually, and... and And sometimes a child is brighter than their parents, okay? I was brighter than my parents. I was quicker mentally, um, and when I got into my teens, I could do mental circles around them sometimes, Um, and uh, that's a dangerous situation. But that didn't equal wisdom. So do not confuse really smart people with wisdom, because there are, you know really smart people do with all their smarts and all their education? They come up with this crazy notion that we used to be monkeys. And that the earth is millions and millions of years old. And that through a del- lengthy process that we, ha- that the world is getting improvement, 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 and we are the ultimate uh, and, and now we are in the way of evolution and st- of the pinnacle of evolution. I don't know how that happened. But this is what smart people who are unwise do with knowledge. They will use it against God's word. Because they do not acknowledge God. They do not want wisdom. They will use their smarts to gain information. And instead of submitting that before a holy, holy God, They devise against it. When I say they speak lies, this is what Peter says. What do the lies of people in so-called science tell us? That the world has always been the way it is and will always be the way it is. And they deny what? They deny that there was a creation. They deny that there was a flood. They deny that. And Peter says, this is how you know. They're smart. They're brilliant. They got lots of information. They're fools. Because they've said in their heart, there's no God, and they express their heart rather than consider, what if there is a God? You see, a wise person would look at the proposition and say, I would be a fool not to consider, what if there is a God? That's a fool who will not even consider that. And so when I see the world talk about this brilliant person and that brilliant person, and I know they're all atheists and they write books and they get lots of attention and they, you know, they're in a little wheelchair and they're doing all this and they're supposed to be the most brilliant person on the planet. And I say, he's a fool. He's using all that energy, mental energy, to deny God. And to come up with these ridiculous theorems and theories that, uh, that are all counter the Bible. And they believe, of all things, in the human ego. And so, what brilliance does without wisdom is always going to be injurious to man because it is always going to be opposed to the truth of God's word. So do not confuse your child's brilliance or smarts with wisdom. So when a smart child doesn't want to learn from you, how are they going to talk? They're going to be disruptive, too. They're just going to be a little sneakier about it or more flagrant about it. Right? We've had little children that were, thought they were pretty smart. And they, I'm like, you don't let this little child take over your Sunday school class. You don't let this child take over your junior church class. You don't take, let this child take over a conversation between adults. Because they have no idea what they're talking about. Because they are fools. How in the world does an 8-year-old think they know enough to talk in an adult conversation to contribute? But they do. They don't think they have anything to learn. I mean, my wife has sat in a science school class with Charles child saying, you have nothing to teach me, I know all this. Then Leave. The Bible says that we are not to teach a fool. Leave. Take them out of your class, set them with mom and dad, saying they can come back when they want to learn. And so I am very much against compulsory education because it's unbiblical. If a child doesn't want to learn, (laughs) just laugh at them and say, well, then go work, because that's what you're going to do the rest of your day. You're going to work with your hands, you're going to labor, you're going to sweat the brow, you're going to, ha- and, and frankly, if they're smart and don't want to learn, um, I don't teach them either. You don't want to know what I know, you don't want to put into the deep well of the wisdom of God that uh, is in me, or the wisdom of my experience, or wisdom of my, you don't want to delve into there and get some of that really, and by the way, the deep wells are where the best water is. Right? You guys know that? You go to those deep wells, and boy, it's it's filtered and purified through lots of layers of, of soil and rock, and the more layers you have, the purer the water gets. You want those deep wells. They're cold, they're pure, and you want those ones. You don't want to go through that work? Fine. We're not going to teach you. Because you teach a fool, they will only use it to the misery of others and for their own interests and they'll use it against God so this is what the Bible tells us is the evidence so when they start yammering away and being disruptive then you know they're rebelling and at that point you need to go back up to discipline and I wouldn't even worry about instruction for a while because at that point they need the discipline of saying uh, I have nothing to teach you and we, we just shut up I have nothing to teach you and yes, I've kicked kids out of my Teen Word Life group. You can leave now. These people want to learn something about God and you're not interested, just go upstairs and sit. Because not only are they not going to learn anything, neither is everyone else, because they're going to distract. The fool wants to speak his own heart instead of mind the riches of the teacher. So, how else? How else do they... Respond. How else do you evidence rebellion against wisdom in a child? Or in anyone else for that matter? How else? They do not want to learn. Just by disruption? (laughs) All right. They will contradict. Okay? They will contradict. Not only will they disrupt They will contradict. Uh, And contradiction takes several different forms. Okay, Here's one contradiction. Because it's a lie, and remember the proverb says, a fool will always lie. Um, And by the way, of the abomination the Lord hates, look at how many of them come out of your mouth. James is right when he says that this is the rudder of the life. And so yes, you should be listening to your child, and you should be very careful to uh address his speech or lack thereof sometimes it's just the silent treatment you're getting and they're not revealing any of their heart and that is a form of rebellion as well we're going to get to and so a fool who keeps his mouth shut may be considered wise the bible says that's not instructive for the fool that's instructive to the wise person to know just because they don't talk doesn't mean they're not a fool you still need to get something from them because, just like we just read in Proverbs eighteen four, um, there should be some wise words coming out of a person's mouth. So we are listening. It's not that they can't talk at all, okay? But there should not be. They should know their place. Um, what's the old adage? Adages are ancient wisdom. What's the old adage about women? About women? About children and noise? A child should be seen and not heard. Uh, that means they should be present and they should be attentive. They should be uh, awake. They should be at it. And yes, I, I remember my mom or my dad, depending on who I was, sitting around keeping me awake. And now Joshua's asleep over there. I remember them. I'm eight years old, what am I getting out of church Sunday night, I'm tired? No, you don't get to sleep here. This is where you learn. Even if you learn to sit and listen, that's learning. There are other lessons than just the information that's being communicated. And so when we come to this, um, what does disagreement sound like? Here's one thing that I have told people not to say to me, or I will, you will shut me down immediately. I will, know, I will not press on. When they say, I know. I know, I know, then I just shut up. Okay, you know. And I've done this in counseling sessions. They ask for my advice. I start and they say, well, I know, I know. And so I just say, well, I have nothing I want to tell you then. You know everything. See, I know coming from the mouth of the learner is disagreement. It is putting themself as an unlearner. I have nothing to learn from you, I know. And so it's not just contradiction in terms of contradicting the information and going against that and and disagreeing with you. It is also this, well, I already know that. I know. Oh, then leave. I'm pretty sure that every sermon I give you is information you mostly already have. Would you agree with that? Because I'm taking it right out of the Bible Sometimes I bring some extra biblical material to it, but the Bible you have available to you, don't you? And if you're reading it regularly, um, these aren't truths and principles that you're not really aware of. It's just something you haven't thought of or applied. Every sermon I have is, is review. Ultimately, it's all review if you've been reading your Bible. But what do we gain from that? We gain from being reminded. That's important. And even if you already know it, you need to have this reminder um, because they are beneficial to us. We need reminders in our life, don't we? Uh, do you like to be reminded that your spouse loves you? Not married. Not married. Okay, I got two married people here. <laughs> do you like being reminded or once is enough? They told you they loved you once and that's good enough. Right? Right? You like to hear it? How often? Multiple times a day. If you're a woman, a husband probably needs to hear it probably once or every day or two. Um, but they like to hear it every now and then. Um, but a woman, multiple times a day. And uh, you know, after 35 years, you know, my wife knows I love her. But she looks at Do you love me? You didn't tell me that today. I don't know if you love me. Well. It's, That's not true. She knows I love her. She's just communicating something to me that she needs to hear it. She needs to be reminded of it. And we have a yearning for that. And we should have a yearning to be reminded of God's truth because he loves us and we love him. So when a child says, I know, I know, I know, they're not in a learning mode. They're in a contradictory mode. If they actually contradict the information, oh, that's not what I heard. That's not what I read. I love when a child contradicts me because they imagine that somehow in their 12 years of education in a public school system, they have learned more than I have with a degree and a minor in chemistry and in Bible and a master's degree in education and 50 years of living um, since I was their age, (laughs) well, 45 years of living since I was their age, that they can contradict me. I love it. Because now I can discipline them mentally. I can just break them down one by one. I wish Nathan was here tonight. Because when our church was very young, on a Word of Life night, which uh, I think was just youth group back then, we we hadn't even started a program. We were still meeting in homes and the church. And uh, it was just four of them, the two Archuleta kids and two Roberts boys, And uh, we were going from Archelot's home to the school to play a game or something. And he was in in, uh, the gifted class. And on the way, here's what he had to say. My gifted teacher today says, we have a bigger vocabulary than our parents already. What was gifted teachers teaching the gifted children that they were gifted? That's all they taught them is pride. You're better than your parents. You're smarter. Which is why I didn't let any of my children go into the gifted program ever. No matter how well he designated them. There's not a chance, because I've seen the curriculum, and all it does is try to get them to think highly of themselves instead of learning more. And so Nathan Roberts put out a gauntlet. I have a bigger vocabulary than most adults, because I'm in the gifted program. I already have a bigger vocabulary. So I started laying into him within a language that he had no idea what I was saying. It was all English. Okay, That's a challenge. The challenge says, I know more than you. And that's exactly what the school told them. They knew more than the adults in their life. No wonder your children aren't going to the well and looking for the deep water. They think they got this little cesspool thing and that's best there is. They got this stagnant water in their own little mind, and they think that that's all there is and they've never plumbed it to see how much is down there and how good it is compared to what they have. And so uh, the I know is, and when they contradict, say I know better. And so I just go after them um, mercilessly. I don't even mind if they start crying. If I get them so wrapped up in how ignorant they are that they start to even bawl or say, why do you hate me? Why are you coming after me? It's because you said you knew more than me. And you're a child and you don't know. I don't care how many people told you you're smart, you are unwise, you are a fool. And I'll prove it. And I tear them apart, mercilessly. There's a great example in God's word of this. What is it? Job gets torn apart. This is one of the wisest men on earth. Gets torn apart by God. Mercilessly hammers him information after information after you don't know this, 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 and he's just hammering Job into the ground. You don't know anything. Why? Because Job was wrong? No, because Job had some information and thought he knew as much as God. And that brings you on the brink of Satan's sin. Thought you could be equal with God. He thought his self-righteousness was something he could claim before God, and God just hammers him into the ground. This is what you need to do to rebell- children rebelling against knowledge: is just hammer them into the ground. And you say, "I can't humiliate my children like that." That's what psychology tells you not to do. I'm telling you: before honor is humility, and they need to be humiliated. One of the biggest things in my life growing up to increase my vocabulary was a sixth grade teacher in a public school who was a Christian lady, and we were having this spelling bee thing, and I laughed because some girl I liked over there missed it, and in sixth grade, boys laugh at the girls they like. Um, they, they pick on them, and it's, it's messed up, but that's the way it is, and girls don't understand that, and so I laughed out loud. Um, before the LOL was ever invented. Um, And my teacher just creamed me in front of everybody. And I was humiliated. And I came back. At first I was angry, because I had a lot of anger issues about that. Um, But I came back and finally apologized to her, and I said, I'm going to get 100 on every, every, spelling tests, and every language thing that we have the rest of this year. And I applied myself like I'd never done before. And I went on a path of saying, I'm going to increase my vocabulary from now on, and I, I want to learn this English language. And I still work on it. I work on crossword puzzles and things to do that. But it's because a teacher humiliated me in a public classroom and put me in my place. Because I laughed at another student for spelling something wrong. Because I knew how to spell that word. And so she started nailing me with word after word. Spell this one. Spell this one. Wrong. Spell this one. Wrong. Spell this one. Wrong. Spell that everyone laugh. Spell this one. Wrong. Everyone laugh. Can you imagine that being done in school today? Let me tell you what teachers used to do to humiliate bratty students that didn't want to learn. They put a great big cone on their head and sat them in the corner to humiliate them because humiliation is what is required of a fool who doesn't want to learn. Because if we don't humiliate them as children, what's going to happen? They're going to grow up thinking they know everything. What's going to happen when they become an adult and didn't learn what they needed to learn as a child? We humiliate them as children so they don't humiliate and shame their parents as adults. Oh, you're going to crush their spirit. You can never crush their spirit that way. You're doing them the greatest benefit you can, to humble them and say, and then afterwards to say, okay, you're mad because you got humiliated and you hate me? That's fine, I do it for your own good. And that's what every parent does. Every disciplinary action you do to humble them is because you love them. And when they combat wisdom, when they contradict, and when they interpose themselves (laughs) by expressing their will instead of listening, uh, we see that there is rebellion against learning. Against um, wisdom, I didn't get into the other verses. Let me get into a couple of these a, as we close. I was going to jump over to chapter 19. I'm skipping several of these. I can't. Let's chapter 19, verse 8. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. If they don't want to learn it. They don't love themselves. They don't love their own soul. They're doing themselves damage. You teach a fool, you're doing damage to everyone else because they will use it against everyone else. The wise get wisdom and it will benefit them. Understanding. Um, I want to jump ahead to verse. um, this whole idea of keeping your soul, of loving your soul, and let's jump down to, uh, skipping that one, let's jump down to verse 16. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. Verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. Do you want your child to be destroyed? you want them dead? you want their souls to be vacated? Then just keep stroking their ego. One of the best things I did for my son was kicked him out of our homeschool because he wasn't appreciating it. So he had to go to West Mesa and learn nothing for an entire year, right? Did you learn anything that year? He learned something that he should have been valuing what he was learning. And that's the best lesson he could have gotten for a whole year. That's worth a whole year of education is to learn to love learning. That you should be valuing the opportunity you have to learn. And not wasting it. That is one of the best lessons your child could ever learn. And if they refuse to learn that lesson, stop teaching them till they value it. The Bible says do not instruct a fool because he will not value it, it will be of no benefit to him or to anyone else. And then it says, verse 20 of the same chapter, listen to counsel and receive instruction that that you may be wise in your latter days. And so that means you're in your younger days. In your younger days, listen and receive instruction. The, The real power behind the adage, children should be seen and not heard, is that they should be listening. When a child is listening, they are learning. It is one of the main mechanisms of learning. What are the main mechanisms of learning? Daniel, do you know how you learn? How do you learn? You hear it. You read it. You write it. And you say it. Those are the four means of learning. Listen. Then the teacher will have you repeat it. You repeat it. You read it. You write it. Your fingers, your eyes, your mouth, your ears. But it starts with your ears and your eyes. you got to see it, hear it, write it. And so we involve ourselves in all those things. And so it says, you you may be wise in your latter days. So in your early days, you should be listening and you should be receiving instruction. A day will come when you will be asked and, and have wisdom. But that day is not today. I love when my kids come home and I learned this and I just kind of smile. It's new to them. It's like, yeah, I learned that when I was six and you're 10. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't tell them that. But <laughs> and some of you come <laughs> by the way, I do that in the pastor too. Oh, look at this passage. I learned this. And I was like, that's exciting for you. <laughs> I learned that when I was a little guy. But you found that verse, and that's great. You're learning. And so we want them to repeat what they've learned, but not that they've learned everything. And so a lot of times they come, I learn this, I said, oh, and how did they apply that? And, and what does this mean? And what is the ramifications of that? And I try to stretch them and to say that there's more out there. Don't think that because you've got this set of facts that you are done. You, that's just the beginning. That's just the tools. That doesn't mean you have any skill to use them. Go to Home Depot, buy a tool. Okay, so I'm going to send... Uh, Miss Andrea here to Home Depot. I'm going to have her buy a planer. A power planer, okay? Does she know how to use it because she owns one? Is she going to even know what she's buying when she gets there? All right, she's going to go there, say, I need a power planer because my pastor says buy a power planer. She buys the planer. Now she owns a power planer. Does she have any skill to use it? Okay, when a child learns facts... They own the equipment, but they have no skill to use it. Your job as a parent is not just to get them information, but the skill to use that information. And the schools have lost that facet of it. And because they have denied God as an institution, they cannot teach wisdom. They can only teach facts. And even those they get wrong they're going to teach your children facts. Oh, you used to be a monkey and the world is a billion years old and the and this asteroid is is hurling towards earth and the world is getting hotter. How many of you believe in climate warming? None of you? But 97% of scientists say it's that's not true either, but 97% of paid scientists Say that there's climate change, you're getting warmer. And it's man-made, command-caused. No, it's not. That's why. Why do they lie? For the money. Track the the money and you'll track the lies. Because they're fools. So we need to not only teach information, but the skill to use that information. And so we listen and we receive instruction. And even after I've been taught how to use a tool, information is the tool, then I teach them how to use it. What do they need to do in order to become proficient with that tool? Practice. And these are the aspects that if they rebel at any one of these three points, you need to take corrective action. If they don't want to hear the facts and get the information, then you got a problem, and you need to, if they're they're complete fools, you need to wait till they're ready. And then when they have that information, they're too arrogant to receive further instruction of how to properly use that information. How does it apply? Um, then you need to pray for them and you need to take corrective action. Because they will misuse information, mostly out of pride and arrogance. Because a little knowledge is what? That's another adage. All these adages have wisdom attached to them. A little knowledge is what? Do you know this phrase? A little knowledge is dangerous. A little knowledge is dangerous because you think you have enough and you don't. And those kind of people end up planing off their skin. Because <laughs> they say, oh, well, I know what a planer is and I own this planer. And, but they don't receive any instruction on how to use it. And when they get out the planer, pretty soon they're Either hurting themselves, others, or the planer. So you need to give instruction of how to use it, but then they need to have practice. And this is why I see a lot of parents not letting their children have practice using those tools. Not reinforcing the tools over and over. They need that. That's review. That's how you learn. But then how do I use it? And then practice using those tools. That's why I love applied math. I love taking children out and saying, and I remember taking my kids out when we were putting, putting in this retaining wall, and I was like, uh, what's the cubic area of what we're extracting from this ditch? We're digging a footer. How much cubic feet are we digging out? Get your tape measure. Learn how to read a tape measure. L- get the wet length, width, and height. And then do the math and tell me how much, we've, how much dirt we've hauled out now. And that's going to help you because now, what are you going to do with that information? That helps me. Why does it help me? No. Now I know how much concrete to order. (laughs) They've figured out how much dirt I've removed, and that's exactly how much concrete I have to put back in to fill that void. It's practical. I'm trying to get them to learn how to put these numbers to use. Why is reading a tape measure? Why is knowing fractions? Why are all these things? And then when it gets to their budget, they need to know how to use money and how to work interest and, and how it all functions. We need to be wise as serpents even while we're harmless as doves. This comes to wisdom. And if your child is rebelling against that with, by talking when they should be listening, by I know, I know, I know, then stop telling them by contradicting you Then you need to take corrective action. Sometimes that corrective action is to stop teaching them. Sometimes the corrective action is to put them in their place, to humiliate them. And sometimes that corrective action is simply to say, well, go find out for yourself how hard it is without wisdom in your life. I would rather a fool be ignorant than wise, than, than informed. If fools were all ignorant and only the wise informed, the world would be a really nice place. We wouldn't have evolution. We wouldn't have a host of problems. We wouldn't have psychology today if fools were kept uninformed. So take action with your children. I've gone late again. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I just can't get done before 10 after 7. I guess we're going to sing one less song. Um, But... uh, recognize rebellion in your child and recognize a corrective action you need to take Um, because they will rebel against wisdom because foolishness is bound up in their heart. And so read through Proverbs and see what you're supposed to be doing with a fool. What do you do with a fool? Well, read the book of Proverbs. That's why I tell our men, if you're a dad, you should be reading Proverbs to know how to deal with your child. Not only how to be as a man, a wise person, a godly person, but how to raise godly men? Okay, let's pray. Lord God, we you thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for the instruction of your word. And Lord, we know that much of what we say here is contradicted by the world, and is not put in practice. But Lord, they hate you. They don't. They profess to be wise, but they're fools. We trust your word. Um, you designed the home, you designed us, you know how we function, we know, you know what we require. And you, when you rebuke the wise, that they become wiser still, as you did to Job. And Lord, our prayer is that when our children learn, that we might uh, rebuke them when they abuse it, that they might properly employ themselves, that their speech, that their actions, that their decisions might be honoring to you, that they might demonstrate that they Fear you and hate evil. That they can be and, and are prudent and careful managers of the resources you give them. That they know you as the holy one. And Lord, that they have discretion in knowing what is appropriate and when it is right to ask and to question and, to li- and when it just needs to be listened. And to carefully evaluate themselves. Lord, give us wisdom in dealing with our children. Wisdom that's not from this world, but wisdom that is from above, that is from your word, that's pure. Lord, where we lack it, help us to be willing to go to the deep wells around us and draw out that precious, fresh, cold, satisfying water that is there. We have been drinking from the cesspool. Of this world's informa- knowledge, their quote unquote wisdom, Lord, and we've been poisoned by the stagnation of it. Our whole society has, Lord, guard our children, our families from that. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.